Welcome to Kablam. Kablam's the biggest retailer in this galaxy. This came to me in a delivery. The man is missing, and I don't think he's the first. I might start to suspect that you're responsible. Hello and welcome everyone to episode number 132 of Discussing Who, the podcast where we discuss all things Doctor Who. Be sure to subscribe to the show using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Discussing Who, by the way, is now available on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify user, you can find us there as well. And who are we? Well, for starters, I am Kyle Jones and welcoming back are my co-host, first up, Mr. Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. Happy to be on for another episode of Discussing Who, as always. As always, glad to have you here and equally glad to have Mr. Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm great. Fantastic. Absolutely? Yeah. Cool. I hope you're absolutely fantastic. <laughs> oh, can't, can't, you know me, I can't pass by a good Doctor Who pun, uh, oh. corny joke, or so forth. So what's been going on in the lives of you guys since I've last talked to you? So what's what's been going on with you guys? Well, uh, nothing much. Uh, as you well know, but maybe some of the people listening don't, uh, we went up to Memphis this past weekend and attended the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention there where we were on a panel with our friend, uh, Laura Sellers, where we talked all about the current season of Doctor Who. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And what I found really interesting was just as you and I and Leah, the three of us have been talking about our thoughts about the series so far, the questions that Laura had presented kind of mirrored that. And I was really pleasantly surprised at the feedback that we got from the audience. What, what did you think? Yeah, um, it was overwhelming. Uh uh, positivity about the current season. Uh, so that's always good to hear when people are positive about what's going on and no, no real dissenters in the room, but I guess they wouldn't have came, <laughs> but a full room, uh, nonetheless of, uh, Hoovians who, you know, are enjoying this season. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting. And I think that was the smart thing about having more than one friend slash companion. There were parts of the crowd I noticed that liked Yaz and some that liked Ryan and some that liked Graham. So it's almost to the to the idea that there was literally something for everybody. Yeah, we certainly might need to explore the question you presented about if you had to get rid of what a companion. Ah, yes. <laughs> who would it be? All right. That was a hard one. All right. So, uh, Lee, on the way up to Memphis, I posed the question to Clarence, which was, and I'll now pose it to you. And for anyone listening, if you want to send us some feedback, your answer to the next question, you can tweet the question to us or the answer to us at discussing who dot or actually excuse me at discussing who it on twitter and you can also go to our facebook page which is facebook.com slash discussing who so lee here's my question if you had to give up one of the three companions that are currently traveling traveling with the doctor which companion would you give up and why yeah, and I don't want to play because I don't want to give up any of them. But uh, but if you it, it had isn't. To. But if you had to, yes. If you're a showrunner, and they said next year we have we have the budget for three of them. Yes, right, including the doctor. Yeah, yeah. That's a it, it is. It's a very good thought exercise, and and I I love that people at the convention were 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 saying you know that some were there as Graham boosters and some were there as Yaz boosters and so on. It's it's almost as if. I'm just going to put this out there. It's almost as if Chibnall had the idea that a crowded TARDIS would give a more diverse audience somebody to latch onto. Hmm, it's yes. like it's like there was a plan for this <laughs> from the beginning. That guy. That, that guy. guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Who I keep reading on social media doesn't know what he's doing. Um, yeah. Hmm. I, Very clever, though. I have to yeah. give you that you have – so far, cleverly avoided answering that question. Yeah. Should, oh, I could stall forever. I know. So so I'm going to pose it again. If yeah. you had to give one up, Mr. Showrunner, which one would it be? 
I would I would send Graham back home. Okay. Oh. Yeah. All right. So let oh, me. All right, I, I don't ahead. like any of the options. So yeah, I think that's the <laughs> that's the least odious one. Yeah. Okay. So let me reverse it before I throw it mm. back to Clarence, which mm. is if you had to keep one companion, which only, one compu- companion would you keep? You have to send two away. Who's been voted off the TARDIS? Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? It really is. No, I I think I think uh, what we're what we're doing is we're illustrating what a great uh, team Chibnall has created here. I can't imagine the Doctor traveling with any one of these people, and I really can't imagine her traveling with with any two of these people. It's got to be all three of them, okay. and I think I think that's brilliant. I so so Clarence, yeah. I'm curious. What, what, what has your opinion changed, or or what? If not, what were your answers? And then I'll give mine. Yeah, I think I gave the similar a similar answer that Lee gave uh, when you first asked me. I was like, no, nobody. I think ultimately, though, I did choose Graham. If I just had to choose somebody, mm-hmm. and if I had to choose somebody to keep, I think it would be Yaz because I love Yaz. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, at the panel, whoever, whatever character one of the panelists, uh, me, Kyle, and Laura said. Everybody in the room was like, "Oh no, you know, right. you can't get rid of them, right?" You know, so so uh, again to your point, Lee, uh, uh, Chip News just created some characters diverse that are relatable that we all love. Mm. So here, here was my answer. Similarly, I posed. Well, actually, I posed the question just to make. I, I hoped people think. And obviously from Clarence's comment just there, I succeeded in that. So woohoo me. But Uh the other part was I agreed that Graham would be the one that I would not keep. On the flip of that, Ryan was the one that I would keep. So funny that we all have our different ideas as to who we want to keep slash who do we want to, um, you know, take away. The, we we don't want any of it. We we really don't. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking while we were talking, and the interesting thing to me is this would have been a similar uh well there were yeah, there were three of them. If you would have had in series one, if you would have had Jackie and if you would have had Rose and if you would have had Mickey uh-huh. all traveling together because each of them knew each other in a different way. And right. in these three, each of them know each other in a different way. Mm-hmm. So cool. You know, yeah, one comment that someone made at the panel, and I know we're ready to move on, but somebody said that Ryan is the new Mickey, and I was like, "What? He, they're nothing alike. At least I don't think they are. They don't feel like they are." Yeah. It's, wow, I, I didn't understand that one. That's really superficial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, my thought too. I mean, the, yes, Mickey did have a very big growth. You know, but 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 my thought with Mickey is and Clarence, I think I mentioned this to you, too, um, you know, on our way home with Mickey. Our first appearance or first exposure to Mickey was he is confronted with Alien and he is groveling and holding on for all of dear life to Rose's leg. Mm-hmm. On the flip of that, Ryan is ooh, alien stuff. Let me touch it and see what happens. Totally different. That's true. Uh So, Lee, you have something that you brought to our attention that I think you want to talk about, something that you found on Digital Spy. Yeah. uh, Well, I I think um, I'm hoping this is something of interest to everybody. And and it's probably common knowledge to most of our readers, our listeners. I think it's kind of as like Clarence was saying, the people who were hating on the show, they didn't come to the panel um, or they weren't at the convention. I have a feeling that there aren't a lot of the the haters uh, uh, listening to our podcast right now. But um, Digital Spy, uh, Cameron McEwen for Digital Spy, uh, did a piece compiling all the data about the show's viewer numbers. And, you know, the number of eyeballs watching a show is considered uh, a, 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 a rubric or, uh, of of – it's success. I mean, popularity isn't always quality. I, I, I acknowledge that. I mean, um, when somebody says it's really popular, I always want to say, hey, cocaine is really popular, too. That doesn't mean it's good. But, 
<laughs> you know, good one. But but in any case, um, they're talking about uh, how how many people out there in social media are sort of um, uh, sort of circling the show like vultures and saying "told you so." Every time the the viewing numbers uh, are reported to have gone down, they're saying, "You see, they broke the show. Doctor Who isn't what it used to be, and you've ruined my childhood." And blah blah blah. Um, and Cameron McEwen's point uh, that I think is very well taken. I hope we'll we'll put this link on uh, our uh, uh, page for this episode on discussingwho.com. Uh, he's talking about p- part of the problem is that people aren't perceiving the graph uh, in terms of uh, its proportion because, yeah, they lost a lot of people from the first episode. But the first episode's opening in terms of viewer numbers was gargantuan. Uh, it really couldn't go up. And it really isn't credible to think they were going to maintain that kind of number. Of course, the numbers have come down. Um, also, the audience has changed so very much for the show just in the last few years that so many people are now watching the show on digital devices um, and, and not on their, their TVs. And, and um, those numbers don't come in until later for, for those who are tallying the numbers. So we're seeing numbers that are only, and I'm doing air quotes here, only 6 million viewers. And that's the overnights. And then it's turning out to be a little more as the week goes by, which is still the reason why I'm, I'm putting only in quotes is because that's still an enormous uh, audience for a TV show, for any TV show. And it's higher numbers than uh, most of Matt Smith's time and all of Peter Capaldi's time. We're, we're at the highest viewer numbers that we've been since David Tennant was the doctor. So, uh, you know, long story short, a lot of this crowing about how the show has been broken is just crap. It's not, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, hew with the facts at all. And, um, let's see, one of the things they pointed out was, um, the most successful season in terms of viewing numbers was, uh, the uh, 10th doctor's time with, uh, Donna Noble. Mm-hmm. When the average viewer viewership per episode was eight million, wow! And the lowest was uh, Peter Capaldi's last season. It was Twelve Doctor's last season with five point four five million. So uh, the Thirteenth Doctor opened with nine million viewers, and actually they're still sort of counting votes. But anyway, but so, so that matches you know Tenth Doctor and Donna, but uh, really has come down two million per episode since then. So it's still floating around high five, low seven, which is extraordinary. So anyway, it was just good to see somebody actually uh, collect the numbers and just sort of say, um, no, (laughs) for people who are saying, no, the numbers have gone completely to hell. No, no, that's no. If you wanted to be saying that, you should have been saying it about the 12th doctor. Yeah. Ironically. So no. Yeah, I think they're just looking for that one thing to reaffirm their beliefs or um, thoughts of exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so here's here's what I find interesting there, and I would speculate, and pretty strong speculation, that some of these people who are using their figures of oh well, look, it's the lowest ever. They're taking one part of the episode, meaning the overnight figures and not calculating in, you know, the seven day plus figures and the 28 day plus figures or whatever the calculation, you know, figures that say what the final ratings are. They just take a portion of that and they use that as, oh, well, here's evidence. Look, and then compare it to another season that had, you know, the, all the other numbers combined and they use that to validate their point. Now, I have a problem with that. The flip of that, I was listening to another group the other day that was list, I mean, that was basically stating they did not like the last couple of eras of Moffat's run or the last three or four seasons or two or three seasons of Moffat. That was an opinion that they gave, which honestly, they're totally entitled to, you know, that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that just because I may have liked it. I mean, I, there were things about Clara's run, obviously, that we've talked about here that I didn't like, but they were not using anything more than an opinion. They were saying, this is what we liked or what we didn't like. And we, and we, and there's nothing wrong with that. But 
in not response, but in um, contrast to that, these people who are just giving all the haterade out there for Doctor Who, it makes you want to wonder what's your real issue, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's really um, frustrating to me as um, because I'm I'm an actor and I work with actors, and I'm seeing a lot of people say I, it's not that there's anything wrong with the show. I just don't think Jodie Whittaker is a very good actor, and I it just makes me rub my temples hard and go. Um, I wonder what you're actually complaining about because she's an extraordinary actor, um, <laughs> and people saying I, I just I just don't think the writing is very good, and again. As a screenwriter, I gotta say, I don't actually know what you're complaining about because the writing has been quite good. I don't, I don't think that's what you're, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're saying. It's, I, I'll tell you exactly. Here's a great example of this. I saw somebody saying, uh, wish that they hadn't cast Jodie Whittaker, you know, woman is not, shouldn't be the doctor, blah, blah, blah. You know, who'd be a great doctor is Eddie Redmayne. Now we just rewatched uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Just last night. And all through the film, I was thinking, I, I, I think Eddie Redmayne is very charming. Um, but if he was the doctor and, and what they're seeing is him as Newt Scamander and they want that to be the doctor. Well, that's Matt Smith's doctor. I mean, almost down to tiny details. So they're just saying that would be a good doctor. And, and I want to say, yeah, that we already had. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if what you're seeing is, is his resemblance to the 11th doctor and you're saying, Oh, now that would be a great doctor. I understand why you're feeling that way, but that's not how these choices get made. That's not, that's not a creative choice. That doesn't mean Eddie Redmayne would be a great doctor because he reminds you of another one. That's not, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so just as you say, Kyle, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but they should at least be informed opinions. I think they, mm. I don't know. Well, said. Well said. We, you know, it's, it's like you just want to like, you know, g- give them just like a, a big dose of reality and go kerblam. Kerblam. It's the kerblam man. Woohoo. All right. So guys, do you have anything else before we get into the actual review? No, no. I, I, I feel like I'm, uh, rambling already today. So maybe I'll just be quiet for the rest of the review. No, you guys don't. No, no. That does not compute. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So for anyone listening, if you have not seen the Kerblam yet, if you have been away from your TVs and have not seen Doctor Who, put us on pause. Go watch the episode. Come back because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 All right. The spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review Kerblam, which to me is fun to say. This episode was the seventh episode of the 11th series of the British science fiction program we all know as Doctor Who. It first aired on BBC One in the UK and on BBC America in the US on the 18th of November 2018. Initial overnight viewing figures in the UK were 5.93 million. But, 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 Mm. Mr. Shackelford, Got something for you. Mm. So just to give a little bit of credence to your Digital Spy article, Mm -hmm. I also found something written by Peter Nolan on blockterwho.com. And he says that this episode is an increase of 160,000 initial viewers in comparison to last week. I saw that. Yeah. Furthermore, when compared to the seventh episode of Series 10, which was the pyramid at the end of the world – this mm-hmm. is an increase of 1.92 million or yeah. 48%. Yeah. Yeah. 2 million viewers. Yeah. So we're doing pretty darn good is what I'm saying. We are. Exactly. So initial thoughts. And Clarence, I'll let you go first on this one. What did you think of the episode? Summary view. Hmm. So when I had time to really sit down and pay attention to it, I've been like super busy with work. But my second viewing, I really, really loved it. Um, it was cool to see Ryan kind of, you know, be the person that knows everything uh, or thinks he knows everything in this episode. Um, I, I think he even calls Yaz uh, his number one or something like that. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I I thought it was a pretty fun episode. Pretty fun episode. And it kind of uh, flipped flip some things. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. It kind of reiterate, reiterated some things from some earlier episodes in tone of, um, you know, maybe maybe how the uh, automation might be ruining everything. And also, you know, t- the tone of how uh, who you think is the main um, antagonist might not, might, might not be uh, in the episode. So very good point. Very good. I, so, Lee, what about you? Yeah, same all around. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, them being in a warehouse, which, uh, uh, as Clarence said, gives Ryan a chance to shine. Um, and um, it's um, it, it's sort of a, a, a return to form in a way of the show just being um, kind of a roller coaster. Um, I mean, sometimes it was almost literally a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, and I think uh, that's just, you know, uh, th- that's just always fun to do. Um and yeah, I, I, I think Clarence called out one of the things I really wanted to point to uh, that um, one of the things that these scripts have been doing that I think are wonderful is that I think we've seen I haven't actually made a list in my mind or anything, but I think we've seen this several times this season is that we're starting to figure out who the bad guy is. Aha. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, OK. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, I, and I love that. Uh, so let's let's keep doing that. Also, Kira is the cutest thing in the whole world. Agreed. So there you go. <laughs> Anyway, and it's not creepy at all that we keep hitting on these uh, women who are way younger than we are. It's just, it's just, I'm just, it's an objective fact. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, you know, it's state uh, of facts, man. There you say, go. It's, uh, it's Claudia Jesse. She's, she does a lot. She's from Birmingham, not Alabama. She's from, <laughs> we are not that lucky. <laughs> she's from Brum. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but Alana what Jordan. What about you, Kyle? What's your, from, what's your, but Alana Jordan is from uh, Birmingham. So we, that's right. So she's also cute as a little ladybug. Yeah. So there you go. Well, what's your overview of the episode? So, so for me, this was another episode that I really, really enjoyed. And I would go so far to say as, that it might be one of the episodes that I will find myself easily watching again and again. There, there were yeah. several things in this episode that I liked, uh, specifically, I liked the chance that Ryan had to shine as a character. Um, I'll get into some more of the thoughts on that later, but just the entire episode, I agree with what you guys said that when you assume what the bad guy is, it's not necessarily what you think. And while you guys were talking, I was sitting here thinking back in the majority of the episodes, you've either had the bad guy not be what you think it is. They're not really to be a bad guy at all as in the, uh, the episode with the Patang mm-hmm. or there really is a bad guy. And there, and that's only, if this is the seventh episode, there's only two that have really quote unquote bad guys in it. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be in Rosa's, uh, you know, the episode with Rosa with the guy from the future. And of course, right. Tim Shaw from the first episode. Shaw. Yeah. Mm. So interesting, quite interesting, mm-hmm. but it's still been quite fun. Yes. Proper <laughs> so, yeah. fun. Even. Proper fun. Well, it means that we're telling stories that are more sophisticated. Um, A word that I keep seeing out there uh, among the haters is that the show has become boring. And I'm fascinated by that. Could it be that what's happening is it's gotten more sophisticated? Hmm. That sounds kind of snotty if I say it that way. It means that I'm smarter than everybody else because I like it. But you you, you know what I mean, though? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's just it's just challenging the viewer to uh, with, with a few more different concepts. You know, things might not always be as they seem. Yeah. It's kind of the feel I get from it. Right. Mm, and that's like, a little deeper. That's like real life, and that's I don't know. Is it? That's okay, isn't it? <laughs> For yeah. our sci-fi fantasies to be, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, if you if you have every episode of Doctor Who start with A and go to B and then go to C, and then by D, the episode is over, and you repeat A, B, C, and D 12 times a year, 10 times a year, every year, every year, every year, mm-hmm. with chances are it's going to get stale. Yeah. And just as we were talking before, talking about, you know, Series 4 with uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate, seemingly is one of the highest rated uh, 
you know, that we've seen uh, from viewing figures, it's still the highest remembered because I was looking on Twitter earlier today because we did a Twitter um, survey that was, did you enjoy Kerblam? Uh, that's on Twitter at Discussing Who uh, as the uh, ID for Twitter. And 63% of our uh, respondents said that they did enjoy 29% did not, with 8% saying that they have not watched it yet. So mm. while I was finding my figures here for our survey, I saw some other surveys that our friend Jessica from Seska Says on YouTube was doing, and she was basically doing a, which is your favorite Doctor Who season or series, and she was pairing several together. And it seems like series four kept winning and winning and winning. So there's very much some love out there for that pairing of, of, you know, Donna and the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So got a question for you. We start at the beginning with the team and the uh, crowded TARDIS. They're cramped around the the TARDIS console. And I'm saying that specifically because I don't (laughs) like the inside of the TARDIS. So curious. So Clarence, what was your thoughts when they're, you know, they're in there, they're, you know, the TARDIS is going back and forth. They're running for something. And then she looks out the window and here comes something. Thoughts of that initial scene. What did you think? Well, while they were flying around in that beautiful, beautiful TARDIS interior, you know, I found, <laughs> I found this strange that the doctor uh, still can't fly it quite well. So, you know, that, that was weird. Uh, but but I don't know. Um, I do like the concept of them getting a message while they're out parousing through space. I thought that was a pretty cool concept. And then we got like, like a, a Easter egg there uh, with the feds. Mm. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. And it's funny because they had released that as a clip for um, uh, Children in Need Day. I, I saw the, that opening scene about six times <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I finally saw the episode, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fez. Got it. Still suit me. <laughs> Very cute. So I, I have to be honest with you guys. When when she well for starters when she was looking at the box and the way she said the kablam man or however it was she said it it mm-hmm. it made me feel like this was a little kid that was so freaking excited yeah. that you know it's the kablam man it's santa claus mm-hmm. i mean she was more excited to see the kablam man than the doctor was to see santa claus <laughs> that's right or her previous santa. Santa. yeah yes. you know that just was too interesting to me if you want it, kerblam it. Exactly. Right. And I got to be honest, I, I was so hoping, I was so hoping that when she opened that box, there would be a recorder in there. Uh, <laughs> not the right shape quite, uh, cow, but, you know. But still. Yeah. They clearly use the same box to send everything, though. So. <laughs> True. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Maybe they have some, uh, you know, some Gallifreyan technology in those things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, I started to mention a minute ago when I was reading that article from Digital Spy, it is broken up with ads. And, of course, all of the ads uh, coming up on that page were for Amazon. And uh, <laughs> I just thought, oh, the irony. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I can't get to the article because I'm being constantly uh, told to kerblam it. So, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so what did you think of the parallels? I mean, since you brought that up, what did you think of the parallels between kerblam and Amazon, since Lee, since you brought it up, what, I'll let you go first. What did you think about, was that a commentary or what was it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think we're getting some lovely, uh, satire this week. And, and again, it's one of the things that the haters are complaining about. They're saying, why does Doctor Who have to suddenly be social satire? Why is it, you know, why, why is it uh, preaching to us constantly? To which I will say for the umpty ump time, dude, go back and watch the classic series. Because they were, they, they've always done this. This is Doctor Who, whether you like it or not. So, uh, so having a go at, uh, at Amazon, um, is, um, it, it was, it was inevitable. Sooner or later, um, Amazon has just become too much a part of our lives to not, uh, for better or for worse, to not, uh, sort of get the treatment here. Um, and I, I, and I really like the fact that it's something that the doctor, uh, loves that, that, that she's, she's a, she's a child again. Um, 
at the very thought of getting a package from Kerblam. But uh, it, it, and then when we meet the people who work there, it's not a fun place to work. And um, that is what we've been told about Amazon in in, in IRL, right? <laughs> that uh, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I wouldn't want to work there, but it's great. So, what about you, Clarence? What did you think? Oh man, it's so funny because as you guys said, Amazon. I never once even thought of Amazon, but <laughs> but yeah. you guys are so right. <laughs> <laughs> down to the branding on the package itself you know we all we all get a little sense of joy when we see our amazon package with the smile yeah. across and yeah. i don't know why i did not think of that at all i guess i'm just slow but <laughs> you guys are totally right and even to talk about specifically what um what amazon does they have taken strides to try to automate further and when we talk about these de- delivery guys delivering these packages they uh, a few years back, started a drone program where they are testing out, p- trying to get past all type of regulations to test out drone delivery of packages. So definitely, definitely this episode is playing on not only things that Amazon is doing right now, but things they're looking to do in the future, in their future roadmap. Yeah. And even tied to that, you you know, you go back to the steel industry or the car making industry and any type of industry that when any automation first came out or the, you know, mass producing stuff, well, they're going to take the jobs away and, you know, the, we're eventually going to be replaced by robots or, you know, you don't have receptionists taking phone calls anymore. You have an automated greeting that you press this for that and whatever. So fears that are already in society or in um, the consciousness of people right now is, will my job, you know, be replaced at one point by a robot or by a computer or whatever the case may be? Well, here, 90% of this factory is automated with either you know, computer systems or robots, only 10% are organics. I, oops, excuse me. I mean, humans. I mean, and they had to fight to get that 10%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. has definitely been a, a, a theme of science fiction, um, since 1920, since, uh, RUR. And, um, you know, one of the, the most beloved episodes of the original Star Trek series is, you know, about this. C- could a machine replace Captain Kirk? Um, and, yeah, and the issue certainly hasn't gone away in real life. So we're gonna we're gonna keep mining this this idea of uh, people being technologically unemployed. So I got a question about the ankle bracelet. Yeah, what did you guys think about the business installing or making you wear these ankle bracelets? And just just what were your thoughts? in general, on the whole concept of the ankle bracelet. Now, what a great visual that is. I, I know people who have been made to wear step trackers um, because they work in a warehouse and, and uh, the, the company wants to keep track of how much actual moving around they do. But really? they wore it on – yeah. yeah. I, I thought I, – wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. I <laughs> yeah. didn't even know this was a thing. When Ryan said he worked at what, Sports Stack, yes. I, I, I thought he they just made something up for the show, but – that's a real thing. Yep. Um, I, I, I was hesitating to say a brand name because <laughs> I'm thinking like we're on network TV or not. We can say whatever we want. No, I know somebody who, who used to work in the UPS uh, in, a, in the warehouse. And yeah, they, he, he had a, uh, like a Fitbit that was, uh, that he put on every day when he went to work for UPS. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, which is wild. But that's but crazy. the reason why I'm mentioning that he wore it on his wrist is that that's one thing. But they got it on the ankle. And we have a strong visual association of having a step tracker on your ankle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So these people aren't – they're not just – they're prisoners. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you know, Clarence, I'm like you. I actually – my next point was – to ask you guys, did I hear wrong when Ryan, did I hear him right or did I hear him wrong about wearing an ankle bracelet? But obviously I didn't hear him wrong that that was actually what they were doing. Yeah. So 
question next about the ankle bracelets. I'm, I'm still <laughs> stuck on that. So, no, yeah. so, so did either of you, or, or am I on a tangent here? Did either of you get the feeling that you could be zapped? Not, you know, like not said you need to work more, but that if you weren't living up to productivity, that something might happen to you? Um, I, I never really got that feeling, but I can certainly see if you just want to talk about productivity, you know, when you really have this facility that seems like it doesn't really need humans at all, but they're obeying this ordinance or law that was passed that, you know, um, likely mentioned 10% of the workforce has to be organic. And um, so I guess the 10% that they get has to be very productive or they want them to be. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but I never got the explosion thing, though. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the thing that that really caught my attention with the bracelets was or what made me think of that was when the head of HR was talking to the doctor and she specifically says, you know, you cannot uh, get on the uh, conveyor belts, you know, for any reason or you will be terminated. The doctor has this face like, oh, my question was. When you say terminated, does that mean that uh, they literally terminate you? <laughs> As in the uh, the Schwarzenegger movies, yes. <laughs> right. Or or does it mean that you're terminated? As in you're fired? Yeah, I I think that they deliberately chose that word for its ambiguity. But yes, I I, I love the doctor's face there because she clearly wanted to get up on the treadmill. You know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Agreed. So anything before we move on a little bit further into the story, anything in those opening scenes that caught your attention and especially when they first got to um, the factory? Hmm. Uh, come on, you two. That's uh, robophobic. Some of my best yeah. friends are robots. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder mm. who she's talking about. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little robot dog, perhaps. <laughs> Possibly. So, 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 you know, we, we're not going to get the recorder in the box because that's too, <laughs> that's too shout outy for classic fans. It's got to be something from New Who. But, you know, so there's a little wink at K9 who, to be fair, has been a New Who anyway. <laughs> or Nordo even, I guess. Or Nordo, I guess. <laughs> was he a robot? I don't know. Hey, we never hey. answered that. Well, he was a robot at one point in his existence. Remember, he was a head inside a robot. Yeah. Right. But but, but by that point, we did, we had established. Well, I, I keep thinking about uh, the, the dude's leg on uh, class where the doctor casually gave him a new one. Oh, that's yeah. right. So we, we had sort of uh, uh, sideways established there in the in Doctor Who canon that the doctor can uh, replace body parts. Yeah. yeah. So, so cybernetic. I, <laughs> and I wonder yes. if he gave Nordle his in, invisible hair. Yeah. Or, or, is he, or is he always had that? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I'm not joking yeah, there. Right. I'm not being no, funny. Yeah. yeah. Where is that in, in canon? Yeah. It is yeah, in canon. We, uh, time, we don't know uh, if he twice that upon before. a time. Yeah. That's what I mean. Did he, did he have it before uh, Husbands ah, of River Song or? Ah, yeah. Good point. We don't know. Good point. So, so these first moments do give us two connections to Broadchurch. And I caught one of them, but I did not. I have to admit until it was pointed out to me, get the other one. Okay, well, I got one. So tell me the one I didn't get. Uh, Ju Julie Hesmanhalsh, um, who was um, the sad victim, Trish, in uh, the third year of uh, uh, Broadchurch. So it was interesting to see her on camera with Jodie Whittaker again. But um, the Kerblam voice, that, that guy speaking, that's Matthew Gravel, who was uh, – uh, 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 oh, I knew I was going to blank on his name. Joe Miller. Ah, okay. Yeah, He's so he was Miller all through uh, – uh, seasons one and two of Broadchurch. No spoilers. So anyway, <laughs> if you've never seen it, we're not going to identify him further than that. But um, yeah, well, well but yeah. He, so he he was the one doing all those voiceovers for Kerblam. Interesting. Well, I did not. I got the references reversed. I didn't get Kerblam man connection to Broadchurch, but I kept looking at the woman and going. You look familiar. Where have Where I seen you? Yeah, and then You're I realized who she was. Yeah, <laughs> she wasn't blind last time, and neither was Jody. So, mm. so before I get to another, um, uh, you know, another reference of a person that I want to talk about, uh, well, which is Kira, 
there was a character that I was like, oh, could you have just changed just a couple of letters of his name and made Dan Cooper, Dave Cooper. That would have been so cool. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Clarence, I'll let you take this one. The character of Dan Cooper that was a worker there in the warehouse. What did you think of him? Yeah, I don't know if there's much to say. Poor Dan. Yeah. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah, and talking about his daughter and everything. And yeah. So, here was my takeaway from Dan. When you get there, you don't leave the factory. Did you That's guys get the that? Impression. Yeah, you, you certainly got that impression. He he uh, he saves up. He scrimps and saves so he can see his daughter from time to time. But yeah, so they're that sounds like they never leave the building. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they, they are on the moon. I mean, uh, well, they go in the courtyard, don't they? Um, when the doctor and and crew are sitting out there in a, like a park like area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they have uh, they have your but, leisure time, leisure break. But uh, yeah, I always I kind of felt it was the leisure holodeck kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it, it felt just, like. Yeah, a little too perfect. Well, it just didn't feel quite real to me. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? The grass was yeah. just a little bit too green. <laughs> but, but yeah, in any case, it is, it, it really did sound like a penal servitude that he's, he's, he's working towards his daughter's education, but he's, he's not going to see her in the meantime. So it's, um, yeah, it, it is, it's like being in another country and sending money home, which is a, a very real thing for our, uh, our uh, immigrant worker population and everybody yeah. else's. Yeah. So what did you guys think of Kira? That was the next character I wanted to meet. Well, she's so, she's so kind and gentle and, and she seems fragile. You know, she's, she's an adult person who's never had anybody give her a gift. Um, except for that one that she got from HR. Yeah. You feel like there's a, there's a Dickensian kind of backstory there. So uh, yeah, your, your heart immediately goes out to her. It's just, I I thought that was uh, a lovely touch. Yeah. What about you? Clarence, what did you think? I agree on all points. And I guess you can't really talk about Kira without talking about, you know, sort of this, what, um, junior high esque relationship mm-hmm. with Charlie. With Charlie, yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, the cutest little thing where, where I guess Graham even mentions about how, um, you know, it's, uh, very, very obvious, which we all could see. Um, so I don't know. I, I I enjoyed her, and it was just you know ultimately what happens to her is kind of heartbreaking. Wow! And and especially when you know when we find out who is behind it, you know, mm-hmm. just e. <laughs> so, yeah. so so to pair yeah. uh, Kira, let's talk about Charlie. You know, our maintenance person that just seems like a really kind of laid back and cool guy. So or so we think. Yeah. Huh. It's a great script misdirection, really. As soon as we we see uh, Charlie and Kira sort of blushing and stammering around each other, we know where this story is going to go. We're going to see them kind of gently work their way towards each other. And when this episode fades out, maybe the last shot is going to be of the two of them together. We know where this is going, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. we thought. <laughs> That's what we thought. <laughs> uh, Freaking Charlie. <laughs> oh, Charlie, man. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Um, I was so upset by, you know, uh, we'll get into it, but, you know, this road that he's went down. And I guess we talked about it last week with um, Demons of uh, the Pajab. Yeah. yeah. Where, it's a lot you like know, Manish, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How do you get indoctrinated into something that's so sinister? Um, and, and, it seemed, and obviously from what he was doing, uh, he was well on his way to, to doing some evil things. And, man um, – this look, this character who on the outward appearance seems like an okay guy, you know, <laughs> he, he's doing it for the good of the human race or so yeah. he thinks. Yeah. But, but, and isn't that the, the thing with anybody that is a little bit off their rocker on a hell bent, uh, mission? They think in their own mind that there is validity in Absolutely. what they're doing. Oh, and that's right. what makes it so scary. It's just what I was saying about Manish last week. I think that that's part of what's what's great about those depictions is that this is not wild or incredible. These people aren't crazy. They're, they, they've just chosen something to be passionate about that, that they love, and they, they feel like they'll do anything for it, including kill everybody else. Yeah. You know? um, mm. 
it makes you also think about, you know, how many loved ones or partners out there that have took someone from the brink, um, you know, that one person they can connect with that keeps them from doing something really, really stupid, you know? Mm. Mm, yeah, how, many, how many how many times this doesn't happen because there's somebody in the right yeah, right place in the right time to say the right thing mm, sort yeah, of like yeah. and it's funny i know and, and clarence i know you're being serious but yeah. but but on the same degree you know it popped into my head when you said that i'm hearing donna say sometimes you just need someone to stop you mm-hmm. yeah and that's true for lots and lots of people you know um one of the to kind of lighten the moment here for a moment. And I'm going back to Ryan here, but Tossin Cole has a good eye for comedy. And one of my favorite parts of this uh, episode was dealing with Kira and uh, the first time that she really had some interaction with Charlie. And there was a comment that was made to Ryan and it came from Graham and it was something like, Oh, I remember what you were like when you were that age, like last week. And he smiles and just drops the smile. I was like, Oh, that was, that was so funny. It was beautiful. Yeah. That look. <laughs> Great line from Graham on that. That's wonderful. So we know that there is someone in dire need of the doctor's help. And, even so much that it said, help me. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you, either of you, get the fact that, oh, wait, maybe it's really the Kerblam man <laughs> that needs help, not uh, a particular worker that they're trying to identify? Mm. Very, I, very late. It, it, uh, that, uh, as a twist to the mystery, uh, worked really well for me. I I started to have the inkling that it might be the system itself, but somehow the script led me away from that again. I, I got misdirected again. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, totally had me fooled. I, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was the robots, the system that was the bad guys. And I, I, you know, I was set on that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I mean, I guess the doctor makes a statement. Uh, no one questions a cleaner. You know, I mean, if anybody's worked in an office building, <laughs> you've come back to your desk maybe once or twice over over years, you know, and, and may have seen something a little bit out of place. And you know, yeah. they have all access. Right. Yeah. Keys to everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, I liked how that played an episode to where, you know, this one guy with, with, like you said, the keys to everything can, you know, hatch this nefarious plan. Um, yeah, so I, it's really, really, really good, really good storytelling there. Well, you know, uh, above having all access, how many times do people either unconsciously or for some people consciously look or not look and completely dismiss or as if they don't exist anyone that is, oh, they're just maintenance, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and they move around or have the ability to move around oftentimes completely ignored, not unseen, but completely ignored. So in that being said, doing what Charlie did, no one paid attention to him. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. So we find out that it is the Kerblam man. It is the system. And we find that something that we all are guilty of, I know I am, popping bubble wrap or no, I thought you were going to say um, um, kidnapping people and melting them down. No, um, no, no, not quite. Okay, no, no. All right. Kidnapping, yes, but not melting. I don't do melting. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but the line must be drawn. I draw, I draw the line at melting. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> uh, now try, I've only seen the episode once, so I think you guys are, are a, a, a screening ahead of me, right? But uh, what was that about? Why were the people being disappeared like, like Dan, like poor Dan? The, the, so uh, uh, Charlie's explanation is that he was melting down the people because he had to test the low um, um, radius uh, yield of his bombs. Or so it wouldn't yeah. go off in the packaging. He he needed that. Yeah, 
It was a little confusing. Okay. Look, I, I just want—I just think he wanted like a, a low yield explosion. That it really doesn't make a lot of sense. If you, okay. If we dive into so, so here's but here. testing the bombs is, is okay. what, what we were told. It's so. largely there is a misdirection to make us think that the robots are the bad guys. Bingo! That no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But so yeah. But I wonder what the in canon explanation. Is. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that was the purposeful misdirection. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was going to mention on the bubble wrap itself being like this this bomb, and I think just perfectly played into something that we all get. That's like they mentioned in the episode, not the main item, uh-huh. but it's how there. many of us have opened a package and saw that beautiful fluffy bubble wrap? <laughs> And it just went to town on it. Um, <laughs> there's this YouTuber I watched that he does these quirky things when he does his unboxings. He'll he'll like throw his box in the corner and make this glass breaking noise. When he gets ready to cut the box open, he'll like hold the knife up, zoom in it, and play a little, little duh, duh, <laughs> music. And he'll also like when he sees bubble wrap, he is just like a kid in the candy store. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like cracking and have this joyous smile on his face. And, you know, it all it certainly is kids. We've all been there where we see that bubble wrap and we're just, you know, going to town on it. But isn't that just I mean, that's just what we do, you know, sure. right? That's a very um, consistent thing f- uh, throughout the new series. I started to say it's a very Moffat thing, but actually uh, uh, RTD was the one to start doing it is to make the villain uh, or uh, the danger in the show something that's usually completely innocuous, um, like statues that yeah. have yeah. their faces hidden or, or, uh, shadows on the floor, or I guess these are all Moffat examples, aren't they? Yeah. Um, or, or, or Christmas trees or, you know, uh, so on and so forth, uh, making the, making the, uh, us afraid of something that we wouldn't be afraid of otherwise. <laughs> so, so now it's bubble wrap. Well, so, you know, go for it. Really, if even you make further. the whole list from new who there's, 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 you're, you're not safe anywhere. Yet. Yeah. Any place that there's four shadows on the floor, yeah, you're dead. You know, so oh, I saw. I think it was Instagram where the BBC posted this picture, and like early on in the episode when the they get the initial package on the TARDIS, Ryan like takes the bubble wrap and run off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they just posted a picture with with Ryan standing up about to pop the bubble wrap. I was like, ah, that's that's a good one. You got me with that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that was one of the arguments that I saw on. You know, um, you know, on Instagram, I saw it on, uh, Facebook and I saw it on Twitter where people were basically commenting saying, Oh, well, there's a continuity error. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't Ryan kill everybody? Yeah. Yeah, Why, why didn't it blow him up? That's right. I have an Mm -hmm. idea, but what do you think? I think the logical in canon thing would be since that package came from the system, the system knows what's going on and it was able to order packaging from the from an earlier lot before it was packed with the explosive gas. Yeah, and and plus it wasn't a part of the final plan. The final plan was to send all these these delivery robots out at the same time. Okay. So, so Yeah, maybe there hasn't been um deadly bubble wrap until they were all out there on the factory floor in their in their teeming numbers. Yeah. Yep. I'll buy that. And we don't know how long that um particular package was hunting the doctor he could have ordered it at, while he was 11 and now she's mm. getting it now because it just <laughs> yeah. found him that's right because the beginning of the episode was her her running away from it from that signal right yeah not knowing what it was yeah now i will say this about the inside of the tardis i do like the windows to the outside that you kind of mm. see i assume they were they were view screens uh, there's always view been, screens there's, even yeah there's always been a monitor since since uh, day one, but uh, uh, if so, I much prefer that to the big TV set that they had in the, the first Doctor Stardust. <laughs> oh <laughs> but, yeah, uh, um, but yeah, it is. It's uh, all of those things on the walls. I think are lovely. It's just when you get right up close to the the console that uh, it seems unnecessarily cramped. And yeah, uh, maybe it's time to redecorate. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> So, so you're, you're saying you don't like it. I don't like it. Oh, no. So, but one thing I did like was this episode. So I'm curious if you guys have any other thoughts about the episode that we have not covered. Um, I'll mention that I loved how in this episode where we know the doctor got this message for help and 
all throughout this ep- episode until we got to, you know, the point where we know who the enemy, the real enemy is. She is questioning everything. <laughs> and I love that about this episode, how she's like investigating, you know, no stone unturned kind of mentality uh, of every person she interacts with to try to find. Are you looking for help? Do you need help? You know, you better not be hurting anybody. You know, <laughs> she had that one moment in the office in Slade's office where uh, she's like giving her doctor speech and then Ryan and Yaz both stand up at the same time. I'm like, I want to screen cap that because that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lee? Oh, so many things that I love about this. You know, I, I'm just um, obsessed with robots. So I am all afire for the inevitable Kablam Man action figure. <laughs> to, to add to my add to my toy robot collection um and um my wife and i are huge fans of agatha christie so uh we love the shout out to unicorn and the wasp which is an episode that we we love from series um, four from series four that's right uh series four is the gift that keeps on giving yes it is uh so uh i was just thinking saturday i guess that i'm going to be really disappointed if we have planted the seed that it's important, well, of course it's important to him, but I, it seemed like, like, like Ryan, it d- doesn't have dyspraxia anymore. And uh, just because we haven't mentioned it in a while, but they it mentioned it this episode though. And this time. Yeah. So I was, I'm not happy for him, but I was, I was glad that we got back to the dyspraxia on this episode. <laughs> I said, thank you. Yeah. I just, I just thought it would be a really unfortunate um, uh, show running. To to make that so important. I mean, it's the first thing we see. Yeah, uh, it's Ryan trying to ride that bike, and uh, and and we and of course he he's in he had the problem with the ladders and the ghost monument. But apart from that, it it barely gets a, a wink. So, um, so his little moment there, hesitating when they're about to jump down the chute, I really appreciated that, and and I liked it. I, I liked uh, Tosin Cole's performance of it, and it, I just thought it was an important moment. Really liked it. So, yeah. That those are all my thoughts about it. Okay, and, and Yaz, Yaz reaching out to to grab his hand to help him uh, jump from one of the conveyor belts to another. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So here's what I liked about this episode. I found in this episode what I've been missing in the previous six episodes, and I think mm. it's because we, having had a crowded TARDIS for the first time in modern Who. Because for me, honestly, Amy and Rory were a symbiotic type relationship. You know, mm-hmm. they were Amy and Rory. You know, they yes. were pa- the parts of a whole, the ponds, exactly. So having said that, you've had three distinct companions that you've had to learn and meet and as a viewer accept and form a viewing relationship as a character and a watcher. And this is the first episode where I felt some watch slash character, you know, watcher slash character connection between myself, you know, connecting to these three characters. I've liked them all along. Don't get me wrong. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if one of them were to leave for some whatever reason, would I get maybe sad or emotional or whatever? Now, for some reason, this episode just kind of clicked for me. Previously, maybe not, but, but, but I kind of like had that, I don't know, just a, I, oh, I, I really like you guys now for, and yeah. it just finally clicked. So that was what yeah. I, that was my favorite part. Yeah. They're taking huge strides to establish these, these characters, um, through these first few episodes. It, it almost seems like the doctor just blends in. So I'm expecting maybe some of the, the last few episodes to be doctor intensive. Uh, because we've really went, you know, again, a great stride to, to establish these characters, which I've really loved. Um, but, you know, I also want to mention the and I want to access the doctor did, did this before. And I'm just not remembering the finger nerve pinch thing that she did when Flade pulled the gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did it in Ghost Monument. Did she? Uh, yeah. Huh. I do not remember. <laughs> Venetian yeah. and, and- Akito. Yeah, she called it Venusian Nikita, which is a, a, a wink towards the third doctor who claimed to be an expert in Venusian. Venusian nice. Judo, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he did call it. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, he picked it up on Venus anyway. Right. <laughs> so just because he didn't idea. do the, uh, you know, he could learn Aikido too, right? Right. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. So she, she's like a pacifist first class or something like that. Apparently the belts you win are for, for not fighting. Ah. So uh, I, I really like that, but yeah, that, that was, um, I've now forgotten the, 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 uh, greatest race, uh, dude's name in the, uh, ghost monument. But anyway, yeah, she, she paralyzes him for a second when he, when he first draws a gun on them and she says, yeah, I'll be having that. So, Mm. So if we were to give our final ratings, if we were to say on a scale of one to five, what would we give? I'll start it off by saying easily. I'm going to give this one a five out of five. I totally enjoyed this. There is only one thing that could have made it better. And that one word is pating. But but <laughs> barring no, no pating, I will say still five out of five. Clarence, what say you? Oh, man, I really love the episode, but I'm going to give it a 4.5. And reason being, I just think uh, Demons and um, and Rosa was just so excellent. You know, I got to I got to scale it against those. And, and I really love this episode. It's really good, but I'm giving it a 4.5. OK, fair enough. All right. Mr. Shackelford Lee, what say ye? Ooh, that I've rock. been glad. I'm glad. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I've been thinking about this uh, earlier today. I think, what, what kind of a rating am I going to give this? And I went through the, the same thought process that, that Clarence just did. But I'm still going to say five because I think this is very different from Rosa and Demons of the Punjab. But it's still completely brilliant in its own unique yeah. way. It's it's just very different from them. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed everything about it. So what else could I say? Five <laughs> out of five. Ah, cool beans. So I think we have kerblammed the entire episode. I've been waiting to do that. Okay. So we have, uh, you know, sent the packages off for delivery. So <laughs> and it, if the uh, Kerblam Man action figure isn't out for Christmas, I'll just mention that my birthday is in February. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Pating. <laughs> I do not want anybody to send me a pating. Uh, but <laughs> I, I will uh, take anybody that wants to send me a pating, so reach out to us because I will gladly okay. take a pating. Not a real one. But no, not a real one. Yeah. But, 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 and not a plush one. Even if, I would yeah. take a plush one if they made it. You would. <laughs> and they will. There is, uh, speaking of the action figures, there is, they've just launched the 13th Doctor figure. Uh, I don't know if you've had, if you've seen that out there. Uh, it, it's, uh, because they're all, uh, hard plastic uh, dolls. Um, I don't think Jody's hair looks quite right, and I, I, that's. But it, but apart from that, it's it's a great uh, it's a great figure. Yeah, um, and, and actually, she's on the scale with all the others. I there's also the Bill Potts figure, which I don't know why they didn't do a release when she was on the show, or maybe it's because you know her time was was too brief. But so, several people who have who have bought them you know, want to put her with their 12th doctor figure. And they've noted that she's like shoulder height to him. Mm, the, interesting. The, the, the doll is. And they're mm. saying, Bill is like, <laughs> that's odd. Cause that, she's not. No. <laughs> Why did they decide to make her tiny? Mm, interesting. Yeah. So they actually call it a doll. I'm looking, I'm looking on Amazon. I just, no, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest and call it a doll, but well, maybe, maybe they just mislabeled cause it says Dr. Who, the 13th Dr. Adventure doll. So it, I don't, oh, I, it, adventure doll. Okay. I, I, was, I don't know if I'm looking at the wrong thing. I though. was just being silly about that. Yeah. I know they're action figures, but yeah. Well, anyway, what's interesting is I, I think when she first came out, uh, you know, the, the, the first doctor, I mean, the, excuse me, the 13th doctor was first introduced and, revealed and are the at the beginning of the, this series they actually unveiled a 13th doctor barbie if i were not mistaken yeah, that's right yeah there's huh. been yeah it's funny that the before uh uh character uk did the, the, their doctor who figure yeah barbie had already jumped on it which is uh uh yeah mm. and you know the, here's my only thing with that i have nothing against barbie and, you know, I know that that's a merchandising thing. And by, you know, any exposure, positive Doctor Who that, you know, that's great. But mm-hmm. on the flip of that, you've never seen a Ken doll made after one of the previous doctors. Just saying. No, yeah. but he did have a Star Trek uniform at one point. Ah, ah, okay. Cal, yeah. Cal, get your doll. Nobody's going to judge me. No, I'm Nobody's not. No, 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 no. Yeah. no, no judgment. I, I, hey, if, if they made a Missy, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 
the Doctor Who site um, at doctorwhosite.co.uk on their merchandise guide, they call this the Bill Potts collector figure. She's figure. a collector figure. Hmm. Anyway, she looks really angry too, which seems odd. But uh, maybe too. maybe that was during the time that she was waiting. You know, so I can't, well, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> maybe that's why she. Uh, but yeah, the, I'm looking at the user comments on this, and the very first commenter here says, "I got mine yesterday, and while it's a decent figure, she's so short." Mm. Interesting. Okay, so before I say they, that that <laughs> before I say that they shorted her on the figure, they shorted her on the figure. Uh, I'm going to. Hey, I wanted to talk about toys because we're talking about Kerblam here, you know. Well, that's true. So you know, anyway. So why don't we go around the table and tell everyone? Well, first, let's tell everyone Happy Thanksgiving from us here in the United States. If you're listening to us the week that we're recording, it is 2018, and it is the week of Thanksgiving here again in the United States. So for wherever you are in all the space and time, from the three of us, Happy Thanksgiving. Yay. So, Clarence, if someone wanted to find other things that you are working on, where might they go? Well, as everybody's on their holiday and they bought their recently released Star Trek Discovery Season 1 Blu-ray, you know, catch mm-hmm. up on the episodes and also catch up on some Discussing Trek, which can be found at DiscussingTrek.com. All right. Mr. Shackelford, what about you? Yeah, excellent episode Discussing Trek recently because it featured lots of me. Me. <laughs> so it also, it also had a, a heaping helping of uh, – Kyle, too. Yes, and uh, well, double dose of me. See, me yeah. is me, and you is me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you were, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and Clarence is him. So, him, me, me. Clarence is Clarence. <laughs> so, anyway, just being silly. But, yes. um, yeah, um, my golly, I've lost the total train of thought here. Uh, but, relativity, right? Is that yes, what we're talking relativity, about? Somebody relativity. Relativitypodcast.com. Okay. Yeah, I want, oh, thank you. See, I, I don't I don't need to say it. You, yeah, people should check out relativitypodcast.com and then find out what's going on with our, our radio show, which is going to be something here in the very near future. I promise. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> we can't wait. Especially more of my favorite character. Uh, I know. Nadia. Nadia. Yes. Can't wait. And for anyone wanting to find out more that uh, I am working on, uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, which can be found at youtube.com slash discussing network. So again, for everyone listening, happy Thanksgiving from all of us. Be sure to subscribe to the show using Apple podcast or your favorite podcast player. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?